Welcome in to another edition of West of Everest. Lee Benson alongside Grant Benson here to talk OU football, the latest in the Sooners, and of course the upcoming Bedlam matchup in Norman Saturday night. First off, first of all, Grant, welcome. Uh, secondly, shocked, absolutely shocked this game is going to be a primetime kickoff. I thought I thought for sure 2.30 probably. I didn't think 11. Like, yeah, probably not 11. It's a rivalry, but... It uh, doesn't really matter that much, I guess, but I mean, night games are always a little different, and at least for one more uh, one more game, Oklahoma, in theory, can bust out the light show and, and do that whole jazz, Grant. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, you, you texted me that the other day, and I didn't. Uh, I, I forgot to respond, but I'm actually not that surprised that it's a night kick, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. One, because second to last week of the season, that means it's SEC FCS week. So there's really no uh, big S- right. SEC games. Also, Lee, the Big Ten does not play night games in November. So you've already totally removed the SEC and the Big Ten from consideration from, from those spots. Um, so there you go. And then so after that, it's just the ACC. The Pac-12 is a weird schedule. It's very unlikely that... Or I think Fox has the USC-UCLA game. And uh, I do know, I have read that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State is one of the most bet games Year, on a yearly basis a lot of the time. So I think it's this This was probably their best selection, I would guess, for that time slot. Very good explanation. See, yeah, that makes a lot more sense because the only reason I would have guessed why it would be a night game is if the, the rest of the college football slate was not very good, which uh, it seems to be the case for the most part. Because, yeah, I was looking at the games. We'll make picks at the end of the show. Yeah, there's some okay games, but... There, there's not a whole lot compared to previous weeks. Yeah, USC at UCLA is is probably well. There, there's a pair of Pac-12 games which are probably the two biggest games of the week. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm looking through your the five games that you picked for our picks, and yeah, man, it's just it's not a huge not a huge week of games. I, it looks like yeah, Ole Miss and Arkansas. It's there's always one SEC conference game uh, that week, and it looks like that's Ole Miss and Arkansas this week, but. Yeah, this is the week where the SEC is playing all the FCS teams. Man, can you can you just not wait until OU has their late November F, uh, FCS bye week matchup, or, or will that end when uh, OU and Texas go to the SEC? I guess we I don't think, really know. Honestly, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know. My my hot take. I'm just throwing it out there. I I, I would guess it ends just because of how big of like a it's. A big part of why this SEC thing is so is so great for ESPN is the inventory, right? And that's also one of the reasons why they are saying that it's more likely that they go to nine conference games instead of eight right now. And I just I don't know I don't I don't know if ESPN would be is going to be super happy with that FCS inventory anymore. I hope it goes away because uh, it's just such a wasted game for those fan bases, those players. It's just, anyways, who cares? Uh, so. Obviously, OU's 5-5. Five and five. It's uh, not a great year. We all know that. We could just sit here and harp on how this season has been not good. Uh, has it been a disaster? Maybe. I, that's, I mean, if you call the season a disaster, I, I probably wouldn't push back too hard. Uh, but it's also you know, quite an aggressive way to describe it. But here's the thing. I want to start the show with some positive news because, yeah, why not? You know, we're getting close to the holidays. It's almost Thanksgiving. We're gonna have Christmas coming up here. Let's you know, let's think about some positive things. How about this? As far as we know, since the West Virginia loss, 
Nobody from that 2023 recruiting class has decommitted, I don't believe. It's only been three and a half days. Give it time. (laughs) It's. I mean, we're getting close to the end of the week. I mean, players are focusing on their upcoming high school games. You know, maybe they're not thinking about committing or decommitting. But, hey, hadn't happened. Right now, Oklahoma's recruiting class, according to, to the 247 composite, is ranked number seven. So it's, it's not as good as it was. Still a top ten class. Man, at one point, OU was at number three. So, you know, you can keep a top ten class. OU's able to hold that by signing day, which is going to come up in you know, about a month or so. Then, you know, you'll feel, you feel a little bit better about the future, especially if the Sooners can win the next two games, which is possible, but it's also possible Oklahoma loses the next two games. And then in that case, the signing class, who knows? Who knows? So there's positive news number one, Grant. I was going to say, yeah, I mean, but is you know, the West Virginia game, what, it had only been three days since Colton Vasek had, uh, had decommitted. So I guess, yeah, I mean, we've, we have made it a full week without a decommitment. That's since, since, since Vasek. So Vasek, Vasek, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Who, who cares? Um, so, yeah, that, that's good to see. And you're right. I mean, going looking, looking towards next year, and, you know, that's always – for me, at least, it's always kind of harder to do, especially when you're going through kind of a crappy season, because a lot of the times when you're looking towards next year, you always think, ah, it's going to be so much better, going to win so many more games. But when you're in the midst of a five and five year where they're really struggling to win games, it's a lot harder to picture it, right? Going into the future. So absolutely, I, I would feel a lot better. You're right. If they were to, if they were able to keep a top 10 class and you know, there's, there's a few guys just honestly within that class where even if they were able to, you know, even if they were to lose some other guys, there, there's a handful of dudes that if they just hold on to those guys, you probably feel pretty good about it. Uh, Jackson Arnold, uh, Adebure, kind of being the two you know, that stick out of my head. Caden Green as well is a big one. So, um, man, it's really important to keep those big-time guys that, that they have committed. So, I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be another data point on, uh, on Saturday for sure. And I, I do think it helps. I think one of the reasons why you probably don't see as much drama and stuff like that is one Texas lost last week, um, and Texas A and M is is going through, I mean their worst season in a really long time, nearly twenty years. Aha, uh-huh, yes, which is awesome, which the- is great, and I, I said it. It's Texas A and M being bad and and being kind of just like this, this ultra kind of weird cultish thing where everyone cares a lot and they desperately want to win, but they just can't. They just can't figure it out. It's great for college football. It, it just is. <laughs> just like, and, and I'm, the Cubs being bad and never winning a World Series was great for Major League Baseball. And it's gotten worse ever since they won one. And it's the same with the Red Sox. <laughs> okay, Texas A&M was my next positive uh, data point for OU just <laughs> because, you know, as bad as things have been for the Sooners this year, unacceptable, five and five through 10 games at least, you know, relative to a team like Texas A&M who was in the you know, top 10 preseason. Everybody always has these massive expectations, at least since Jimbo Fisher's been there. The Aggies are 3-7. and 3-7, seven. and seven, so it could be worse, and that's a team that Oklahoma directly competes with in recruiting. So that's, that can only help. Uh, but Oklahoma's got to pick up their end of the bargain, and they got to win the next two games and then win a bowl game. It's not really oh lost on me that pretty much all of my hot takes going into the season have turned out to be exactly right, except for the ones that had to do with OU and USC. Mm. What do you think? Uh, like, yeah, how, how does that a, happen, right? That could be a fun, could be a fun podcast at some point. But hey, how about this? I mean, it kind of reminds me. You know how bad things are going 
with OU football this year where it's going into week 11, Bedlam, and in the first five minutes of the show, Grant, we're talking recruiting. We don't do that on this show. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a signal to how bad things have been. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, been a, it's been a weird year, too. It's been a while since OU, us as fans, have kind of been in a position like this, you know, going into the 11th game of the season. The only, I mean, still playing for bowl eligibility. That's never been a reality going into the 11th game of the season since I've been consistently following OU football. So that's kind of a weird thing. But yeah, a lot of the time, right? Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about championship November. We're talking about, you know, getting to the Big 12 championship game and winning that. That was removed as a possibility pretty much, I don't know, a month ago. And so what do we do now? It's, you know, what what is there to talk about? And I think a big part of that too, Lee, is that, I mean, going into this Bedlam game this weekend, I, I just, it's not that interesting of a game this week. I mean, OU and OSU are two really similar teams. I, I think that the thing that has, has separated them this year is that, Oklahoma State has probably been better in high leverage situations than OU has more often, you know, more often than OU has. So that's really it. You know, in, in terms of how good their offense is, how good their defense is, I'd say both teams are pretty similar in that regard. Yeah, both of their uh, their defenses are, are both bad. Uh, Oklahoma State's got the worst defense in the Big 12 statistically. Uh, OU's is, I think, eighth right now, but I mean, you know, whatever. It's they're all kind of bad. Which is I like mean, West Virginia I mean, is bad too. I now have have watched a lot of of basically every defense in the Big Twelve, and and this this doesn't matter, but it's just kind of. But Kansas's defense is by far the worst in the conference. Like that defense is so terrible, and I guess I don't it, really it understand OU, how they've gotten but, stops. Yeah, I mean it was against OU, but clearly, it seems to to work against other teams better than than that. But yeah, so. I uh, got some got some uh, some more positive news. Just one more piece of news, maybe more. Maybe you could chime in with some ideas. But uh, you know, I don't think we talked enough about Eric Gray. You know, when things are going bad, when things are down, negative. You know, you tend to focus on the negative things, the the bad stuff, and uh, the the happy positive stuff kind of gets swept under the rug because it's it's good and it's like everyone saw it was good and you just kind of move on. But you know, Eric Gray has been terrific. He leads the Big Twelve in yards per game, six point seven five yards per game. And he's third in the conference in yards per game on the ground at 111. I think uh, Bijan and Kendry Miller are just barely above him. So they're all kind of neck and neck. And so Eric Gray's a guy that has, you know, he came here. We were excited. He had a, a down year a season ago because he was used in a bizarre way. And at the start of this year, it was, eh, we weren't really sure what we were going to get. We thought for a moment, Marcus Major might be the best back. And ever since the Nebraska game, Eric Gray has been, you know, by far the best running back on the team and one of the best offensive players on the team. And so just wanted to use this time to mention a positive note, which has been Eric Gray's 2022 season. Eric Gray has had a great season. Um, he has been uh, he's been the best player on the team this year. I don't think, you know, 10 games through. I, I don't think that's even debatable at this point in time. He's the most valuable player on the team in a five and five season. You know, that's it is what it is. But man, when I think of Eric Gray and like when you were just kind of introducing him there, Lee, I just I, I couldn't help but thinking, yeah, man, he's been a, he's had a great year and he's he's been great this year. He's been basically OU's entire offense. But if he had an extra gear, OU would be eight and two right now. Here's the thing: is he just yeah, he's not that fast. Like he he can't he can't just uh, you know run away from people. It's just not part of his game. And I. 
Which I, I realize I when I say that, I'm essentially saying if OU had Joe Mixon, uh, 2016 Joe Mixon on this team, then they'd be 8-2 and two right now. But still, I don't know. How many, how many times has Eric Gray been in the open field this year where you know a guy who has breakaway speed would have scored easily? I kind of feel like a lot. <laughs> Maybe. I, I mean... We thought I don't know. It's tough in the uh, in the rain and stuff in West Virginia. Like everyone's gonna be a little slower, but oh uh, yeah, he's been great. He's been really good. Any other positive notes that you want to highlight right now as we're being the the sunshine pumper podcast for the you know the first ten minutes or so of this one? <laughs> no, nah, I mean I don't really know how much. Uh, not a lot. Not a lot coming out of the program in in the early parts of this week. So um, I think right now for sure. I'm sure the focus of a lot of people in, in, you know, in that building has shifted towards just kind of finishing strong these last two weeks and then probably just trying to, trying to keep that recruiting class together. It's just, it's, it's a weird place to be in. It's, it's, it's been a while. I mean, really since 2014, OU has been at this point in the season with, with really nothing going on. And it's, just, it's kind of just a, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it other than it's just a bummer. All right, well, uh, Bedlam's upcoming this Saturday. OSU is 7-3. and three. OU is 5-5. Five 5-5. And five. Five and five. Wow. And, I mean, OSU is almost 6-4. and four. I mean, they yeah, Spencer Sanders kind of came in and saved the day, I guess. Oklahoma, yeah, State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are pretty much identical teams this season, even having a massive, crazy blowout with their starting quarterback out against a good team. That's so um, they've just been a little luckier than OU has this year. So, uh, despite the struggles, though, for OU, man, uh, the Sooners opened as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, and the lines ballooned up. I think it even got up to eight at one point, but right now it's Sooners by seven-and-a-half. So, I, I mean, I'll, there's no chance in heck I'm, I would lay seven-and-a-half. I mean, I'd, I mean if, if you didn't get the six-and-a-half and you like OU, I mean, uh, seven-and-a-half, that extra hook. No thanks, especially in a rivalry game and the way Oklahoma's been playing. But uh, you surprised by the the number in this game that OU's favored by so many points? No, not really, because uh, like I said, Vegas is going by the models. That's and and I know that this is probably a little more than like I think SP Plus has OU as a four and a half point favorite in this game. So um, I don't. I, I guess maybe that extra handful of points is a little surprising. But I mean, if if you really dig underneath the surface. Oklahoma State really has not been very impressive this year. Um, they've, like I said, their defense has been bad. They've given up a lot of yards. Um, they've been, you know, their their offense has been explosive at times. Uh, but I, I think, you know, other times they, they've really struggled to, to run the ball. Their offensive line hasn't been very good. And obviously just with the aforementioned injuries to Spencer Sanders as well. I, you know, like I said, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, pretty similar teams. Just one has gotten a little bit more luck late in games. I was a little surprised by it. I didn't think it'd be that high, um, but you know, I. It's classic example. Oklahoma State's ranked right now, and you got a a home team in OU that's favored by more than a touchdown. And this is one of the situations know. where pr- pretty much all the analytical models, SP Plus, Massey, Sagarin, has OU ahead of Oklahoma State in the rankings. So this is uh, that's just kind of where we are right now. And, and you're dealing with Vegas and people. You know, you're going to be dealing with data a lot of the time. And not necessarily vibes and mojo and what's been going on, like what's you know what's the attitude and the emotions of the locker room, 
And so that's that's why you're seeing a lot of that this week. Me personally, I'd stay as far away from this line as humanly possible. Um, we are. I, I think this is this is definitely a danger week for OU uh, because I think what you're what you're pointing to this week is you're just your your main goal this week if you're Brent Venables is you can't lose the locker room. I, I think that is that's the number one goal, and I I think ba- after last week, I think. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic or crazy to suggest that that's absolutely a possibility. We have to be on the lookout for that going into this week. Uh, a total collapse from OU. I agree. The, the, the thing that makes me want to push back, though, is that it is Bedlam. It's a big game. OU lost last year, so it'll have their attention. It's senior day, home finale, night game. So there's a lot of, a lot of reasons why these guys are not going to want to go out there and embarrass themselves. But, uh, yeah, generally, I, um, I agree with you. I mean, that, that game last week, that's a total locker room loser. I mean, on the road, I think it's a bad team, and you lose the way you lose uh, with some weird you know, just d- uh, decisions. Um, I think um, – I'm not sure if we discussed it after the game, but uh, Brent Venables – I know we discussed some of his quotes, but I think maybe afterwards we talked about it amongst ourselves about his reasoning for kicking the field goal. No, no, we talked about that. I think we talked about that on the show. Yeah, I think just you brought it have... up kind of, kind of in real time. You read it off Twitter. He was just like, hey, I just didn't think we were yeah. magically going to convert there. That's right. Okay. There's, I'm kinda, I've gone back and forth on how I feel about that this week. Because there, there's a part of me, it's like, ah, eh, well, you know, that tells me he's at least paying attention to the game. He's got, kind of got a feel for his team. He, he had the feeling that just things weren't going right on third and fourth down, which is right during that game. But also, man, I don't know. I there's so much data, so many years it to that suggests that getting a yard there is statistically really easy. Well, the kicker of of why it, it bothers me the most is that all game and in the past, like the the Wildcats right there in your back pocket. But for whatever reason, the Wildcat was not part of the playbook, and that's been a a formation, a a play, you know, like a, that's been able to get some yards this year. And it just wasn't wasn't used. But they they've so the only that that wasn't they've really that. only showed the Wildcat in two games this year: Texas and Kansas. I mean, you're talking like multiple times, or because I mean they did it against Baylor. Did they do it against? Yeah, they did. I guess with yeah, yeah Major we, on the fourth yeah, we were, down. Yeah, they, um, but they did it with Marcus Major. So I, I I guess here's what I would say: like if when like, you want to go deeper into it, because it it wasn't fourth and it was fourth and three on that you know before the field goal. Like I wonder if two, his, two like, if, if you really, really dug into his brain, in his head was he thinking, all right, if we're going to do this, we're, we're definitely going to run the ball. Like, if he did that in the sense that West Virginia was obviously going to put 10 guys in the box, and he didn't feel like they were capable of picking up a fourth and three with Dylan Gabriel, that I think is defensible. Because that's third and medium, third and kind of short, fourth and kind of short this year, has been awful. And honestly, Gabriel's terrible in that down and distance. And so I don't think he's terrible. I think that's that's a little over. I think he's pretty bad. He's overstated. I think he's a. I think he's. I think he's a. I think he's really inaccurate, throwing short, and intermediately. Yeah. I. No. I. I think you. It's one of those situations. I mean, Levy's talked about it. Venables has talked about. It. I want to know at what point, kicking the field goal was the option because you know it's if it's four down territory, then it makes sense to you know run certain plays on third down, setting up a fourth down, whereas. You know, if Jeff Lebby knew that they were going to kick it on fourth down, maybe he wouldn't have ran the ball on third down or whatever it was. Maybe they would have decided to throw it. I mean, but they brought in Eric. So that's that's kind of the thing that's interesting to me is 
you know, was it when was it determined by Venables that, yeah, we're not going to go for it here if it gets to fourth down and whatever. I now I, the main thing is the the weather was bad, uh, college kickers, the feel of the game, and the fact that yeah they'd struggled on short or in short yardage, but they had not once tried a formation and ran plays out of that formation that's been successful in short yardage this year. And so why not bring it out there for third down and then bring it out there for fourth down if you need it? But no, that wasn't part of the playbook apparently. And so that's what's kind of bothering me is that if you're the head coach, I know that you're. You know, you're you're telling your offensive coordinator to do his job, and you're not going to want to jump in too much. But I mean, we he already joked about it once this year about getting into Levy's ear and and asking him about certain play calls and like where where are they? So he certainly could have done it there, but he didn't, as far as we know. Uh, okay, so I'll just uh, we got a couple of comments on the West of Ever's Facebook page, but I'll just put it out there to get the Bedlam talk going. Is Bedlam? A must-win game for Oklahoma. Yes or no? I don't really know. I think this is a this is this actually is an interesting question um, because right. I, I think if and who knows, we can't predict the future. But my feeling is right. If they if they lose on Saturday, there's no way in hell they're going into Lubbock at night and beating Texas Tech, uh, a Texas Tech team that probably is going to have a lot of energy, maybe fighting for bowl eligibility as well. Um. That that's my feeling, and so I think yeah, maybe this is a must-win game, so you don't find yourself at five and six on you know last week of the season on the road in Lubbock at night, trying to get to a bowl game. Yeah, that's I mean that's why it's a good question. Uh, I I'm going to be the guy that does this. I mean, technically, is it a must-win? No, because they still can. Over. Technically, the season's already over, and. You know, losing is not going to clinch a losing season. Although, a 500 season is is not great either. So, uh, but here's the thing: it's not really a must win. But Brent Venables better be treating it like one. If I'm him, it is. <laughs> it's absolutely believe yeah, it, absolutely absolutely. So uh, the the question is going to be: I mean, do you do you have the attention of a bunch of guys in that locker room who are just not used to being in this position at, at OU? And a, a group of guys who has kind of proven themselves to be pretty mentally fragile, I feel like, over the course of the season. Um, are, they, are, are they able to... I think they've proven that they're, you know, that they're capable of showing up and, and starting off well in this game and being engaged, maybe even playing well at times. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to come down to those big moments and the, or the small moments that add up to the big things. Are they, are they still going to make a lot of stupid mistakes when they shouldn't? Are they... Are they going to be the exact same team, essentially, that we've seen all year? Um, probably, right? Here's the thing, though. They've been, they've been really good at home offensively, with the exception of the first half against Kent State. So I think that helps. Um, I mean, this is, a not, this is not a good Oklahoma State defense. The weather is not supposed to be that bad. It's you know, going to be cold, but... It's gonna be clear, chilly, but I if believe. there's no if there's sure. no elements, if if they're down there on the football field, they're not gonna feel it. So that makes me feel good about the offense's chances. Uh, they didn't play well last week. Gabriel had a kind of a down game when when Gabriel uh, when Gabriel's not played too well. I, I feel like the next game he he plays a little better. I guess I, I'd have to rack my brain for examples, but uh, I don't know. I don't really recall him playing poorly 
in back-to-back weeks. And I don't think he played that bad last week. I, th- I thought he played – I mean, he didn't, he didn't play well, but I don't think Dylan Gabriel was the reason why Oklahoma lost the game. I so, think there were – um, just like it has been kind of all year, there were – he had some glitches in moments that were, you know, that were put under a microscope because the, because the team wasn't playing super well around him. And so, and like, you're right. I mean, if if Mims catches that pass and they score, you know, his, his numbers obviously are looking a lot better there and maybe he plays better the rest of the game too. Maybe he's got a little more rhythm, more confidence, but I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the ones that kind of stand out to me, or that weird one to Mims over the middle where they were not on the same page and it would have been a touchdown if they were on the same page. And then the one to Farouk where he was a couple of ticks too late where it probably would have been a touchdown to Farouk if he would have delivered it on time. Um, but other than that, I think it was you know, on, on Gabe and Teddy's podcast, they had suggested that maybe in the second half of that game, the play calling suggested that maybe Lebby had lost confidence in Gabriel. I wonder if it was that or it could have been the weather as well. Um, or it could also have been just whenever they were handing the ball off to Eric Gray, good things were happening or happening eighty percent of the time. It could have been that too. So yeah, I, I mentioned I mentioned that a little bit in our last show on that the final drive of the game for Oklahoma when they had the football. Gabriel didn't attempt one pass, and they're running it pretty well until the end. But it's it's like man, you got your veteran quarterback here, and, and you don't trust him with you know, putting it in the air at least one time. I get the elements were bad, but. West Virginia was keen on the run, 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 run. Uh, certainly a guy with Gabriel's history, his experience level, and Lebby, who's a guy that's an up-and-coming play caller that you know we all like, or you know they're, they're, he's supposed to be pretty good. Like there's got to be some sort of play there. You think maybe put the ball in the air, easy throw that would throw off West Virginia to pick up more yards. It just never happened. It was just very simple. Like I mean, I mean, yeah, it was uh, what run run left run right i mean it was yeah and they're still yeah. they're still trying to get that tempo going of course of course they were west of ever's facebook page michael says this uh, bedlam game is huge because it's basically a must win for oklahoma if ou loses i think they go five and seven and venables will have a really hard time pulling out of this nosedive for the future and by the way, Michael, thank you because your comment kind of gave me the idea to ask, hey, that's, is this a must-win game? I hadn't really thought of it until Michael brought it up. It's kind of an obvious thing, and, but apparently not. So, Michael, good question, good yeah, comment. Yeah, I'm, I'm scared of the nosedive, for sure. I mean, I think you're – that doesn't mean it's likely if they were to go 5-7, and seven, but, I mean, there's always that fear, for sure. Just because it hasn't, it kind of, it kind of has felt like things have snowballed in games this year too, and so you hope that's not just kind of like a, a sign of things to come. Tracy on the West of Everest Facebook page says the Sooners need to win out for pride, extra bowl practices, and recruiting purposes. Fact check every one of those bullet points. True, absolutely true. I think if you can, hey man, win out, win three in a row here, win win your last two, win a bowl game. I guarantee you, all of us feeling a whole hell of a lot better at the end of December about this thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't. I really don't know if that's going to happen. If they, if if they win on Saturday, they they win Bedlam, then you know I I think we're we're going to be feeling pretty confident. Maybe going into Lubbock the next week, and then we'll go from there. But I don't know, man. Right now, it's just I'm I have I have visions of Spencer Sanders just running quarterback draws for ten yard gains the entire time. 
And like I'm dead serious. There, I mean, he's 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 gonna run for a hundred yards on quarterback draws in this game on Saturday. Tell me I'm wrong. I I mean, you want me to bet on OU's defense, like getting stops or being smart? No, I ain't gonna do that. More from the West of Evers Facebook page. Shane says, I can't remember the last time my excitement level for this game has been this low. I would bet a lot of Sooner fans are in the same boat. I don't know how you could not be. It's, it's the worst they've been in a generation. <laughs> I mean, like literally a generation or more. So and that's kind of where I, I have paused because I, I don't know, we have a, and we, we have a cousin who's an Oklahoma State fan. I mean, I should get his how his gauge his feelings how he's feeling because my my feeling is that Oklahoma State fans probably smell blood in the water is I would is what I would guess probably probably but and they're, they're probably fired up. It's all on Spencer Sanders though, and by the way, it sounds like Sanders should play. Uh, I, he's super positive about it. Mike Gundy's saying, yeah, if, if he wants to play, he's going to play. So he's the guy, but I mean, it makes you wonder, like, where are Oklahoma State fans right now on Spencer Sanders? You know, how do they feel about him? He's obviously not fully healthy. How's that going to impact the game? I mean, I would guess they probably feel they don't have a chance to win unless he plays based off how they've looked without him. True. And he played really well last year in BWU. He was okay. That'd be something. He was fine. If you could tackle or... I mean, oh, you still should have won that game last year, so how good could he have been? That's a good point. Yes, he did throw throw one or two picks, maybe, maybe two. Uh, yeah, I've, we, we, we talked about this, and I'm I'm hoping this doesn't turn... It's it's not a jinx. Jinxes don't exist. Spencer Sanders is not that good. Uh, he's never been that good. He All of everything that he's got in the last two seasons is based entirely off of experience and not making mistakes. <laughs> I'm curious to see... Well, where they are health-wise with a lot of other players because they've had a lot of issues with health. I know, I think Dominic Richardson, I think, played last week, so I think he's back, the running back. But uh, you know, I, think, I think Jason Taylor, the really good safety, I think he's still out. Man, I should know this, but... Now, he's been kind of in being. and out. I didn't... I didn't. Uh, I watched the entire fourth quarter of that game last week against Iowa State. Uh, I did not see him out there. I was specifically looking for him. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, he's really did, good. Did you watch any of that game? What a what a weird game. Hunter Deckers is terrible. I I didn't get to watch as much of it as I kind of wanted to. I was doing other stuff, but I think I might have been putting the podcast up or I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, I already know that though, Grant. Hunter Deckers is not a good player. <laughs> but I was pretty confident in Iowa State winning that game. But I they were. I mean, it was they they were they were kind of in. Saying they were in control of the game is probably not right, but they were definitely getting the better of Oklahoma State until Spencer Sanders came in. Yeah. And also on the West of Everest Facebook page, a friend of the podcast, Brady Trantham, says, I just want to smile again. <laughs> I do too. I do Don't too. we all? Don't we all? Well, fellas, you know, I don't have any sort of in-depth, crazy, fun thoughts on Bedlam. I really don't. I uh, I don't feel good about this game. I didn't feel good about last. Eh, I I did. I, I was kind of like middle of the road last week. I didn't I didn't think Oklahoma was going to lose because West Virginia was so bad. But it's one of those situations where anything can happen with this team, and I don't I don't know what I'm going to get from them. And it's it's kind of a well, a lot of the times with Lincoln Riley's teams, we didn't know we get either. So, 
but not. In, it's a little bit different, though. So, again, I don't have any sort of groundbreaking thoughts. I don't feel good about Oklahoma's chances. The last time I didn't feel good about Oklahoma's chances, they lost. That was, that was Baylor. So, here we are. Got anything else you want to add about Bedlam? Yeah, I, I guess I, I want to keep it, like, within the realm of reality, though, just because... Because we're just talking about feel right now. The reason why I didn't feel great about Baylor is because I think Baylor's a good team. I think Baylor's a lot better than Oklahoma State. And I, I realize Oklahoma State beat Baylor in Waco. Um, Oklahoma State, I, I don't think, is as good as Baylor. They don't scare me as Baylor. I don't think they present as many problems as Baylor does. The only reason why I don't feel good about this game is is entirely just because of the last game. That's why. Um if we're going by what I think this team is, or what this team has been outside of just those weird two, you know, crazy TCU and Texas games, seems basically been the same all year. You know what you're gonna get with them. And I, you know, I'm leaning towards this game is probably gonna look a lot like the Baylor game. It's probably gonna be really close there at the end. Probably gonna have a lot of stupid plays. Um and uh, we'll just kind of see. It's going to be a coin flip, probably, to see who wins at the end. And going by this season, I don't think it's a terrible bet to think that OU is going to be on the losing side of that coin flip. Because that's just that's what the season oh. has been. All right, so the rest of the Big 12. The biggest game in the Big 12 this week looks to be TCU and Baylor. We'll talk about that in our picks. Boy, how about Kansas State? We were dead wrong about that game. I, I mean... I thought Baylor was would would beat Kansas State. Uh, it was a bloodbath. I mean, Wildcats just smoke them. How about uh, and it, it kind of just looks now like how about Adrian Martinez transferring to Kansas State, and the guy that they had on campus already is better than him. That's that is pretty funny. And it, like it makes uh, it makes you Adrian, think, man. Yeah. It makes you think maybe Kansas State would be in a better position right now, and and they're they're in good position to play for the Big Twelve title anyway. But maybe they'd be in maybe playoffish type position right now if they just would have not gone after Martinez, just would have stuck with Will Howard. I don't know. But then again, I don't know if Kansas State would have beaten Oklahoma without Adrian Martinez. There's some interesting point. There's something weird about. There's something weird about it. Like he was Adrian Martinez was was unreal against OU and Norman um, last year for Nebraska. Played extremely well again. Uh, there was something to that maybe and I guess yeah Will Howard's still not you know when I see him in there actually like completing long passes and and honestly not being the worst quarterback in the world I'm surprised because man when he I just any time that he went out there prior to this season just gosh man just all Davis Bevel like yeah. yeah he wasn't known for his passing that's for sure uh, de- he's better he's better than Davis Bevel I haven't seen anybody as bad as him but yeah it, not good not good but uh, West Virginia at home, coming off the OU win, another home game for them. West Virginia catching seven and a half points. Uh, that's a great line. The odds makers set that at a great spot. I, I have no idea what I would do there. Uh, it's just Kansas State, potential letdown, playing a bad West Virginia team on the road. That's a hard one. If um, Yeah, that is kind of tough. Because K-State kind of, to me, always seems like they, they underachieve against teams that I kind of feel like they should they should stomp. And then, of course, I think they're going to lose last week and they stomp Baylor. So, um, yes, yeah, is a weird one. It, for me, it depends on who plays quarterback for West Virginia. And I'm actually, if Garrett Green plays, West Virginia is going to get freaking blown out. That guy sucks. That guy sucks. <laughs> I, I just, I don't. Well, it'll, it'll probably be him starting and then they're going to go to JT Daniel after Garrett Green sucks. 
it'll be the opposite of last game. Yeah, I mean, one, one, one of the frustrations of that game was watching Garrett Green use his legs, which is literally his only, the only thing he has. Um, and then just, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Bury that game. It's Bury over. that one. It's but over. yeah, I guess I would, I'd probably lean Kansas State here. Um, I, I still think West Virginia really sucks. I, I think West Virginia is, they're not, obviously they're not Kansas level bad, you know, as, as they had been over the last, you know, but they're definitely bottom barrel of the Big 12 bad historically. I mean, they suck. The question is, did they get their you know, giant season defining win last week and they're just going to be, they're, they're cool or are they legitimately going to try to make a bowl game? Because they can still do it. Who did they and play in the last I, week? I don't really care. You don't have to look it up. But I tend to lean your way as well. I tend to lean with K-State because you could make the argument that there's uh, there's some value there on Kansas State because I bet this number... Well, Kansas State, though, you know, blew out somebody, and so they probably... That's padded as well. So that number might be pretty, uh, pretty correct. Uh, West Virginia is at Oklahoma State to end the season. So, eh, you know, we'll see. Next Big 12 game, Texas at Kansas. Hey, you know, the, the longstanding rivalry. Was this the last time Texas went there? They lost, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, and now Kansas is a lot better. Texas is laying nine points. So, Wait, no, they just, honestly, no, Texas just straight up lost to Kansas at home last season. That's what that is. Oh, 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 really? Okay. Never yeah, mind. yeah, no, yeah. Kansas has a one-game winning streak against Texas. That's that's where uh, that's where we are right now. So yeah, Texas has now uh, got to go try to get this game. They got to go on the road to do it now. <laughs> I think this is actually not. I Texas is probably going to win this game fairly easily, just because that, that kind of seems like that's the. Whenever I start to back Kansas, they kind of they get buried a little bit. But Kansas's yeah. offense is objectively good. I mean, they're, they're averaging over yeah, but, seven yards per play this season. It, that's a good offense. But that defense is bad. I wonder what the total is. The total might be the play here going over. Defense is bad, but also you got to, I'm, you know, and I know uh, Sarkeesian a couple weeks ago ended like his, his crazy road losing streak at Texas when, when they won in Manhattan. But I don't know. Texas and Sark and Ewers has Ewers been really bad on the road this year. Yeah, but Texas losing last the last game, I think that, that helps him a little bit. Total is 63 and a half. Hmm. Wait, can we go back and talk about how um, I just want, I really did just, you know, props to the TCU Horn Frogs last week for making last Saturday somewhat bearable. That, that was a nice little nightcap. Um, one of the reasons why last Saturday was it sucked for me personally was that I was I was convinced that that last Saturday that night they had the primetime game, Texas and everything. I thought it was going to be a patented Texas's back game. I thought they were going to steamroll TCU, and they did not, and it was awesome. It was great. It was awesome watching Texas try desperately to move the ball on TCU's very mediocre defense and just not being able to. It was wonderful to watch. <laughs> TCU's a good team, man. I mean, I, I don't know how good they are, but they're a good team. And, that was, a good, and that was, they the most, uh, that was the most impressed I've been with TCU by far. That was by far their, their most impressive one of the year. Next game, Texas Tech at Iowa State. Another good number here, man. Iowa State laying three and a half. Three in the hook. This is Iowa Texas State, Tech for uh, me. Iowa State is the worst team in the league. 
Actually, no, they're not. Yeah. West Virginia. Oh, it's so bad. I, Big 12's not as good as I thought, man. See, Iowa State coming off a loss. They're at home. It's probably their last home game. They got a really good defense. Yeah, I mean, it's a good number, man. Iowa State's offense is just is really bad. Iowa State and Iowa, man. Just what's with that state? They're the same team. I don't know. Uh, Iowa State. They both have top ten defenses. Both have sub one hundred offenses. It's weird. Well, hopefully, the podcast was corrupted by the time our picks came on last week because we were both terrible. We were both one and four, and TCU was my only win. And your only win, I believe, was North Carolina. So, yeah, bad week picking games for you and I for the season. You are 24, 25, and 1. I am 22, 27, and 1. I mean, what are we even doing here? What's the point, right? I mean, you gotta for have you, a, it's basically a coin flip. Yeah, you got to have a for really me, good I'm last two weeks here. Yeah. It's just, it gets so, I've been, I've been terrible with college football. I've been, I've been decent this year at the NFL, but I have no way to prove it. Because uh, we don't talk about the NFL on this podcast. So let's start with TCU and Baylor. They're the biggest game in the Big 12. And good number here. we got Baylor as the home team. But TCU, of course, is the favorite as the fourth-ranked team in the nation. TCU, though, laying two and a half, not a full field goal. TCU laying two and a half at Baylor, who was just embarrassed. And that's where it's it's difficult, right? Because I, for me, I think I'm going to go TCU. But Baylor getting just destroyed last week certainly makes me think that they are a live 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 dog here at home but man tcu i i I don't want to bet against them i think they're a good team i think they're a team that really believes in themselves and i think they're a team that i think they're a team that believes it can make the college football playoff and i'm i'm going to continue to back them and i don't have to lay a full field goal i guess on the road but that's okay uh i'm gonna go tcu there grant what do you think i'll go the other way on this one Baylor I just think me, man. That's what a the, disaster last week. That's the sharp pick. It is, and I'm gonna you, you stay stay consistent with it. Is all I'm saying. Well, I threw this next game in really for you because honestly, I couldn't find a fifth game that I thought was that interesting. So I decided to go with a, a big time Big Ten rivalry. Grant, what is this rivalry? Iowa at Minnesota. What do they call this one? What do they do? Here? Trophy. What, Lee what, what do they is battle the for? Floyd of Rosedale. They they they. Uh, they fight for the Floyd of Rosedale Trophy, which is a gold pig. The gold pig trophy. Here we go. No, it's the Floyd Iowa of Rosedale Minnesota. Trophy, not the, not the gold pig trophy. Come on. So Iowa and Minnesota fighting for the gold pig trophy. Uh, the Gophers. <laughs> the Gophers laying two and a half. And I will tell you, I saw this at open at, at uh, Minnesota laying three. And uh, I, told, I told people to jump on Iowa plus the three. And it's gone down a half point. So, at uh, you know, I'll say consistent, even though I, I, I wish I had the extra half point. But, yeah, I'm going to go in a rivalry game. I'll take the points here with Iowa and that defense, even though I, Minnesota is Minnesota. But uh, for the fun of this podcast, I'll go, I'll go with Iowa. But I wish I had three instead of two and a half. So you got – this is ah, – man, this is just a classic Big Ten type game. You have Iowa, who is – who is worse than Iowa State is on offense, which is saying a lot, but is probably probably has a top five defense in college football. Their their, their defense also scores a lot as well. And you got the Gophers who can't really complete forward passes, but they have a really good running back, a decent offensive line, Mo Ibrahim, and they have a top ten defense in college football uh, statistically as well. 
I don't know, man. This is uh, this is one where I, I I think Minnesota is they're rightfully favored. I think the models have them favored in every single game this year, or I'm mean, every single game. The models, all of the models, have them favored in this game as well, which is understandable to me. Um, as kind of just as, as a Gopher alum, as a guy who has seen this game far too many times, I just in good conscience cannot pick the Gophers to cover this this spread. Um, this. I've 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 seen so many instances, and the Gophers need to win this game to keep their Big Ten West title hopes alive, which are they're there. I mean, they're alive. And um, when when that you know when this game is coming down to that, I just don't have any confidence in Minnesota. Um, the, look look for this one to be like a thirteen to three type game. That's so you, you give me a score. I was going to ask you to guess the total for this game. Do you want to take a stab at it? Uh, I would. Is it like twenty-seven or something? <laughs> I've never, I've never seen a total in the twenties. That's that would be crazy. No, it, 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 I'm not sure if I've ever seen a total this low though. Thirty-two and a half. <laughs> well, can I let, let me give you another thing? Because I'm not sure. We don't. I mean, I have no idea if um, if Tanner Morgan is going to play for Minnesota. Uh, Ethan Callie McCannis started for them last week. Played the entire game. So. I, I don't know. Wow. I, I and I have I haven't seen this week whether or not uh, Morgan is is expected to play. I know it, it's senior day for them, so I mean if he can go, I expect him to. But I don't. I mean I, if you're gonna have you're gonna have a a, a redshirt f- freshman going against Iowa's top five defense, I that just I don't know. Nah, that's an Iowa to me. Next up, SEC actual SEC conference game. I think you referenced it earlier in the show. Number 14, Ole Miss, laying two and a half at Arkansas. Let's see. Did Arkansas just get... They lost by three to They just got beat by LSU, LSU, but it was close. But I don't know if K.J. Jefferson's healthy. He didn't didn't play play against LSU. This number... I feel like this number is telling us that he's probably expected to play, though, against Ole Miss. This number is telling me that Vegas doesn't think Ole Miss is very good. Well, it's either that, yeah. Even though they did take, they took Alabama to the wire last week, I suppose. Yeah, this is a this line as, as some people say, this line stinks. I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense. Ole Miss it, for unless me, unless it, unless it is just simply KJ Jefferson's back and Arkansas is a lot better with KJ Jefferson. Man, <sighs> who's Arkansas got next? Let's look, let me look up who they play next. They're, they played 10 games. They got Missouri to end the season. See, Arkansas didn't have a, a late November FCS. They don't. They played BYU, week. remember, in October. No, they pl- Arkansas? Yeah, they played well, in yeah, Provo. But, but yeah, they, they played their, uh, their bad FCS team early in the year. That, that was when they were trailing to Missouri State. Remember oh, that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, with Petrino. And uh, but they they played their another non-conference game a couple weeks ago and they lost to Liberty. It's like they're playing like some legitimately good non-conference teams. You know what? Just because of that, I'm going to reward Arkansas with my pick. I'm going to go Arkansas plus the two and a half. Whoa, pig suey, baby. And I'll remind you all again, I was uh, one and four last week. (laughs) So it was good call. All right. USC number seven. USC is on the road at UCLA. The Trojans are laying two and a half, and 
Here we go. This is the, the final stretch where I need USC to lose out. I need USC to lose out to, to cash my USC under win total ticket. And uh, I like the fact that UCLA just lost. So that's something. But unfortunately, I think uh, it makes sense for me to, to back USC. It's, it's less than a field goal. It's essentially, I mean, it's not even really a road game because they're all in the same kind of area. And I'm going to guess, you know, I, I know that Mario Williams was back last week. Jordan Addison's back healthy. That was kind of a game to get them all kind of up to, up to speed. They're all good to go. Although, Travis Dye, I believe, is out. I don't, like, he was injured. I don't think he's – it looked pretty bad. I haven't seen an update, but I think Travis Dye is probably out for the year. That's a big deal. He's really good. Yeah, I haven't really so, seen any other running back for them this year that has, like, stood out to me. Like, oh, wow, that guy's good. That's the one thing that gives me pause, but I'm going to go ahead and grab USC minus the two and a half. But I am very intrigued by what they do at running back. Relique Brown, is he the guy that ends up stepping in there and getting a lot more carries? Because he's, he's had some work this year, and he's looked good in, in small doses. I'm going to take UCLA here, but I want to give this caveat that I am – I'm this idea has kind of kind of hit me late last weekend where – I was watching USC. I, I I know they played on Friday night, but man, USC like the the way that their season has played out, it's just a Lincoln Riley at OU season. Like that's what it is. And how did how did most Lincoln Riley at OU seasons end? End them and them backdooring into the playoff and then getting blow out blown out in the first round. Man, if they make the playoff this year, ugh. I, if they if they that. win out, they probably will. I know, I know. But That'll also, I mean, this is, on. I mean, if they were to, like, UCLA is a good, I mean, this is the best offense they have faced this year, for sure. And UCLA can absolutely score. Zach Charbonnet is really good. Uh, DTR is a good player. They, I mean, they're going to, they're going to have some things that they know are going to work very well against USC's defense. And they're going to do it over and over and over again. So we'll see if they can essentially protect the ball. If, if UCLA does not turn the ball over, they're, they're likely to win that game. I, I think, and like you don't think that's that's too unreasonable to think that, right? Like, I think, I, I just I, I can't yeah. see USC like shutting down UCLA without UCLA just turning the ball over a ton. Yeah, man, I, I didn't know you, UCLA's offense was. I mean, they're a top five offense. Yeah, holy yeah. cow! US, yeah, they're uh, like this is yeah USC and UCLA two really similar. I mean, just good offenses, defenses that give up a ton of points and yards. Um. So I mean, it's going to be an, an entertaining game to watch. I just, I don't know. I'm starting to feel the bad juju and the bad vibes, man. I think USC is going to going to make the playoff. Again, that'd be the cherry on top to this season where we were so certain of one thing happening and we've been just totally dead wrong. So the Iowa Minnesota game. Do you remember what I said the total was for that? Uh, Thirty-two and a half. <laughs> you want to guess the total for USC UCLA? <laughs> Give me a second. Eighty-six and a half. Oh, that's that's really high. No, that's not that high. Way to ruin this fun game. Nah, seventy-six. Huh? Anything in the seventies is high, man. That's really high. Well, see, I don't. Know, that's going to come down to what style of game do they play? Because you know, I mean, you know, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley doesn't want to go fast. He wants to be plodding. He wants to go at the same pace as Iowa goes. Um, UCLA does not as, want to uh, do that. So, uh, what? Who's yeah. who is able to force 
the style of play that they want on, on on the opposition. And I guess we'll see what happens. All right, I'm on USC. Grant's on UCLA. Final game, another Pac-12 battle. Utah at Oregon. This one, a little bit of luster lost after Oregon you know, surprisingly lost to what, Washington, I believe. Um, we were That was another game we missed. Uh, Oregon at home laying three. Classic uh, home team by three here. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to – I, I kind of want to take Oregon just because they, they're coming off a loss, but I, that's, that's where I'll go with. I'll go with the home team laying a field goal, but uh, – I was one and four last week. Anybody's guess? Like, you know, obviously Utah's a really good team too. So I wouldn't uh, argue too hard if you picked the, the the team Utah catching the three. I'll take Utah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Oregon. Oregon because um, they were my Pac-12 champion pick, and I do not think that uh, that can happen if they lose this game. Being consistent. All right. Is Cameron Rising still playing for Utah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Was there a time where he was not playing or something? He was out or I think he was banged up was, a little bit. Maybe he was injured in the weeks yeah. before the USC game. That's what it was. I don't know. Because they they lost to UCLA, I think, at the end of September. He may have been banged up in that game. All right, so to recap. TCU at Baylor. I am on TCU minus the two and a half. Grant is grabbing the Bears at plus two and a half. A lot of uh eh. Decent amount of disagreement today. We are both on Iowa plus two and a half against Minnesota in Minnesota. I will grab Arkansas plus the two and a half at home against Ole Miss. Grant will lay the two and a half with the Rebels. A crossfire on the USC UCLA game. I will take the Trojans minus two and a half. UCL, uh, Grant will take UCLA, the home team, plus two and a half. And we both will take Oregon laying a field goal at home against Utah. Those are our picks for week 12 of the college football season. Hopefully, Grant, you can get back to over 500. And best case scenario for me is that I get to 500 if I have a 5-0 and week, which statistically that's highly improbable from happening. I'm pretty sure I went 9-1 and the first two weeks. And so if that's the case, that's, that's a pretty bad record since then. Yeah, I, we were both pretty good after three weeks, I believe. We were we were up there. You know, we were healthy, like four or five games above 500, something like that. So hadn't been good of late. Gets a lot difficult, more difficult as the season goes on, no doubt about it. I'm still just happy that when I was in Iowa a couple weeks ago, I hit my uh, my OU minus six and a half alternate line against Iowa State. What what yeah that, what forces in the world? led me to take OU on an alternate higher line on the road. <laughs> like in retrospect now, in hindsight, now that we know what's happened since then. Well, I, Iowa State's quarterback. Uh, no, it's because I got, it's I got into the stadium at 10.30 a.m. and there was like 100 people in there and Iowa State didn't have any energy. So I was like, ooh, oh. OU might control this game. And they did. All right, well, we got a late-night bedlam. I know uh, originally you were planning on maybe being here, but you're, you're actually going to be – you're going to be going to that Iowa-Minnesota game instead. I'm going to go – Correct, or you're going to be around there. I'm going to go you're, tailgate. You're going to be in town for it. I'm go tailgate. Yeah. The, uh, the high right now for Saturday in Minneapolis is uh, only looking about 17, 18 degrees right now. So I uh, told my friends that, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go in tailgate, but I'm not going to be able to sit in a three-and-a-half-hour game in that I have – 
I have needs. I can't do that these days. <laughs> so I plan on being in Norman for the game. I don't know if I'm going to the game quite yet, but uh, interested to take in the Norman Bedlam game day atmosphere. Haven't done it before, really. I mean, in college, we we, we didn't really do it that much. In college. I mean, we were so focused on the game. We didn't really take in the sights and sounds. So going to do that a little bit, see how that goes. And then I don't know about the game yet. We'll see if I get tickets. I don't know. I, I've been to so many games, obviously, over the years. In Des Media, I don't feel the need to have to go to – to games i just like eh, you know like i'm perfectly comfortable watching it on television or whatever but the social factor of it though we'll see we'll see if i get uh, a free ticket or something or if i decide to to splurge and buy one i don't know do you all care listening probably not at this point i'm just kind of vamping as we wrap up the latest edition of west of everest grant yeah last Any final uh, thoughts last bedlam game I, i've been to in person was 2009 talking about 13 years ago that was a game where uh, I'm pretty sure Oklahoma yeah. State came in as a top ten team. OU came in at six and five, and uh, oh no, they weren't six and five. Yeah, they were six and five. It was the no, last week of the season, and uh, they absolutely just curb stomped Oklahoma State. And the best part was, I knew they were going to. Isn't it? Isn't it weird how that was the case, even in a six and five season? But that's also what a top five defense will, will do to you, to your confidence. Right, right. That's a really good defense. Uh, I think they shut him out. It was twenty seven to nothing. Yeah, Ryan Broyles, one of the better uh, one of the better punt return for uh, for a touchdown that I've seen in my OU fandom. It's beautiful weather too, from what I remember. It was actually pretty nice. Yeah, was, we, uh, we, we were in the student section with our dad. Saturday. It was fun. Yeah, we were there with dad. Yeah, and it's, we're in the student section. That's funny. Yeah, well, the last uh, Bedlam game I was in person for was uh, a year ago, and then everything happened after that. So. <laughs> In retrospect, was I'm, actually, I'm pretty happy I was not at that game. Yeah, the, the best part about that game, the weather was beautiful. It was a gorgeous night. It, it was not that cold at all. Okay, uh, we will be back on Sunday to talk all about whatever happens in Bedlam. So until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. And if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five-star review. And also, tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.